destiny always trumps man's duplicity. How's that for a title? <laughs> what does it mean? Uh, that's what I'm going to tell you over the next hour and a half. <laughs> God's destiny always trumps man's duplicities. The Bible, this Bible, well, this is not my Bible, this is actually Alex's Bible. My Bible's locked in my office. Um, I asked Joe to get it, but he wouldn't. <laughs> no, that's kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, the Bible is God's blueprint for success in life. Not just prosperity, but in every area, in our relationships, in our families, in our business, in our careers, in our desires, in our dreams. God's Word is the blueprint for success. That's why it's so important that we are reading it and hearing what God has to say about it. Romans 15.4 says this, For everything that was written in the past, that's the Old Testament, New Testament, everything that was written was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Endurance, encouragement, hope. This tells me that life is not a sprint. That we shouldn't get too upset, worried, concerned or discouraged if we see other people who are running next to us or people we might know who are the same age or maybe start at the same point and we see them moving ahead of us and thinking, oh, I'm getting left behind, I'm failing, I need to do this, I need to do that because life's not a sprint. Life is a marathon. And the Word of God teaches us that, and as the Scripture says, the Word of God is there to teach us and help us to have endurance to keep going, to keep putting one foot in front of the other, to not give up, to not let go. We need to have endurance. Do not get upset if you think other people are getting ahead or, or you think you're working hard and you're putting God first and honouring Him and yet you see people who, friends you may know, that maybe don't even go to church and maybe don't even worship God and they're doing all kinds of things and you think, why are they prospering? Why does everything seem to work out for them? They're not worshipping God. They're doing the opposite. Here I am going to church, I'm giving, I'm doing all this stuff. And they don't get worried by that stuff. Don't get upset by that stuff because life is not a sprint. And when anyone here who's been following the Lord for a, a, a length of time, you realize that when you consistently follow God and put Him first, things always work out. You always continue to rise towards God's upward calling in Christ Jesus. This scripture also tells me that life's going to contain some twists and some turns. If I'm going to need encouragement from the word at times, you only need encouragement, guess what, if you're discouraged. Stuff doesn't turn out the way you are hoping, you're anticipating, you're expecting. Something happens, something comes out of left field. The word of God is there to give us encouragement. So life is not just going to be walking from mountaintop to mountaintop from success to success, from victory to victory, there's going to be some highs and there's going to be some lows. There's going to be some successes. There's going to be some failures. And that's okay because God is going to bring you through as you continue to trust in Him. Life is not an algorithm. Life is not an input equals output. Life is a journey. 
of trusting in God, of making good decisions, making mistakes at times, asking for forgiveness, coming back to God, getting things back on track. But in every step of the way, no matter how many times you stuff up, no matter how many things the devil may bring against you, no matter what other people do to you to try and stop what God has for you, You are going to succeed when you put your trust in Christ Jesus. That's what the Word of God said. That demands, well, that doesn't demand. That should be a clap moment right there. And that's what my message is about today. No matter what other people do to you, God will bring about your purpose. That God's destiny for your life always trumps man's duplicity. Duplicity means deception. It means to uh, deceive, to trick, to do something that's not for your best will uh, without you knowing or to, to trip you up in some way. God's destiny is not dependent upon man. It's dependent upon God. Now that is a good thing to know. So your future, your calling, your purpose, your destiny cannot be stopped, cancelled or negated by anyone or anything if you're holding on to Jesus and his promises. That's what the Word of God says. That's what, the word, that's what these stories that we read about reinforce and reveal to us that God can be trusted and that over the long haul, not taking a moment's experience or a period of time, but looking at a lifetime of journeying with Christ, that all things work together for good for those who love Christ Jesus. Let's give him a hand this morning. Thank you, God. To be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the Lord, but which is through faith in Christ. My destiny, my purpose in God, that the reason that I'm here, that I can trust Jesus with it. It cannot be held down. It cannot be stopped because it's dependent upon the one who rose from the dead. Resurrection power is available to you in Jesus Christ. I want to look at Genesis chapter uh, uh, Genesis chapter 29 and, and 30. I want to go through a story that uh, emphasizes and, and I guess teaches us about this principle. And it's the story of a guy called Jacob. Anyone heard of Jacob? There's lots and lots of principle stories, lessons that we learn from the life of Jacob. I'm just going to look at one particular period in his life and how trusting in God or, or that God's purpose and destiny is not dependent upon the behavior and the character of man. So Genesis 29, if you know the story, I'll just give you a bit of a background. So J- Jacob runs away from home. In Genesis 29, he, he left it a little late because he was 76 years of age. <laughs> it's a, he, he's a late bloomer, if you like. He's 76 years of age and he runs away from home. Uh, we won't go into all the details of why he ran away from home, but the reality is he packed up his stuff and he took off. He's 76 years of old. 76 years of age, he's run away from home and he's going to his uncle's house. Uh, lives in a, another place. Um, so he's, uh, he's running to his uncle's and on his way there, he's almost to where his uncle lives, and on the way there, he runs into his much younger cousin. Now, uh, Bible days are a little bit different to our days. 
because uh, he ends up marrying his cousin, but um, I wouldn't encourage that. <laughs> Things were a bit different in those days, so we can't, can't uh, apply every single thing in the Bible. But um, he, uh, he, he's on his way there, and he runs into his much younger cousin, his much younger hot cousin, the Bible says. <laughs> and in the words of Garth from Wayne's World, he goes, swing! <laughs> and Jacob is in love. <laughs> so, uh, going, well, not reading all the scriptures, but then Jacob goes with Rachel, he finds Rachel, and he says, where does your dad, uh, where does your dad live? That's Laban, which is Jacob's uncle, and he, they go to La- uh, Laban's house. They go to his home and meets his father, and he's there for a little while, and then uh, Laban says to Jacob in uh, verses 13 and 14 of chapter 29, he says, uh, it says this, As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him, he embraced him, he kissed him, and he brought him into his home, and there Jacob told him all the things. Then Laban said to him, You are my own flesh and blood. Um, there's a whole raft of teaching and lessons right there. But we won't go into it because I haven't got time, and uh, this is a this is a bit of a long message with quite a bit of scripture. So, anyway, just just to make one one point, not everybody who embraces you and reaches out to you and smiles to you has your best interest at heart. Let's just remember that. Genesis twenty nine fifteen to sixteen it says this. So after Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, "Just because you're a relative of mine, should you be working for me for nothing?" So obviously. Jacob's helping out and doing some stuff around the place. He says, tell me what your wages should be. Now, Laban has two daughters. Rachel was one, and and Jacob's met her. And he has another one whose name was Leah. It says, the younger one was Rachel. Now, the Bible says about Leah, it says about Rachel that she has a great figure and she's beautiful. And it says about Leah that she has weak eyes. I think that's a euphemism. (laughs) Because Rachel was hot and Leah has weak eyes. I think it's a little bit like in real estate when you read about a house, it's cozy. (laughs) That means it's a (laughs) shoebox. If it's full of character, it means there's a toilet in the kitchen. (laughs) Anyone been looking at real estate lately? You look at the, you read the, yeah, wow, this is amazing. (laughs) Rustic. (laughs) <laughs> means it's about to fall, it's about to be condemned. <laughs> so anyway, when the Bible says Leah has weak eyes, we can guess, I guess, what the difference was between the two. There's a bit of a juxtaposition between Rachel and Leah. So Jacob goes to Laban when he says, what would you like? And he says, I want to marry Rachel. That's the desire of my heart. And he says, I'll work for her for seven years. I'll work for you for seven years that I might have Rachel. In those days, you had to pay a dowry. If you were going to marry someone's daughter, you had to prove that you could provide, give something to the father for the loss of the daughter. Um, he didn't have any money. Not only was he 76 running away from home, but he was broke. <laughs> What's he been doing with his life? <laughs> He goes, look, I don't have anything. I want to marry your daughter, but I'll work for you for seven years for her. Now, Laban is an interesting character. He's a bit of a wheel and a dealer. 
I, when I think of him, I think of him looking something like that. <laughs> Laven's shifty. He's like a second-hand car salesman, snake oil guy, type of guy. Like he's always looking for what he can get out of people. And so Laban's like, oh, this guy's 76. He's going to work for me for seven years. I've got a good chance that I'm not going to lose anything here. <laughs> so anyway, he agrees. He says, all right, you can have my daughter. You work for me for seven years and then you can have her. So Jacob begins working. Now this is shepherding. This is manual labor. It's hot in the day. It's freezing at night. It is hard work. And he's working hard, boiling, freezing. He must have drunk a lot of Red Bulls because he's not young, right? He's out there. He's working hard. He's doing all this stuff. Uh, but he makes it. And the most romantic scripture in the Bible that you will read is verse 29, uh, Genesis 29, 20. And it says this. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. What a beautiful scripture, eh? Seven years just went like that because he loved her so much. Then you read the next verse and it tells you exactly what he was thinking and what kept him going for seven years. Then it says, then Jacob said at the end of the seven years, give me my wife, my time is complete and I want to make love to her. <laughs> So seven years, he's like, I can't wait. I mean, put it in context. He's 76 and he's a virgin. He's, he's just been engaged to a hot young girl. And uh, maybe he didn't need a Red Bull. <laughs> anyway, I know there's a bit of a J. Howard Marshall, Anna Nicole Smith sort of thing going on here. Uh, if anyone knows... <laughs> that story but although he doesn't have any money um anyway seven years he works and then Laban goes no problem they're at the ceremony they're at the wedding ceremony the time has arrived um 84 he's 84 now 84 he's been he's he just got married they're at the wedding ceremony now these wedding ceremonies in those days they go for seven days right so this is the first night of the first day. And it says in verse 22, Laban brought together all the people of the place and he gave a feast. A celebration of the marriage that was about to take place. Uh, now, I don't know how to explain this next verse that well. Only to say that there must have been a hell of a lot of alcohol consumed at this party. Because it says, in the evening, he's standing next to Rachel. They've got married. They're at the ceremony. But when the evening comes, it says in verse 23, he took his daughter, Laban took his daughter Leah. That's the other daughter. Not Rachel. Laban, the father, brings his daughter Leah and he brings her to Jacob. And Jacob doesn't even notice. He's either blind, literally, because he's so old, or he's just complete, Laban's given him a few spiked drinks or something. Because he doesn't even notice, and the Bible says that he, Jacob makes love to Leah. Verse 25 says this. 
when morning came. <laughs> Anyone ever had one of those moments? <laughs> something happened the night before, you did something, whatever, and there's always a when morning came. Instead of Rachel, he's lying next to Big Mama. Big Mama's house. <laughs> and he's like, what the heck? What's going on here? There's Leah laying there going, hey, Jacob. Hey, big boy. I don't think, I mean, when it was saying she's got weak eyes, maybe they're close together. I don't know. Bailey was, my older son Bailey was showing me an app last night on Snapchat. I don't know if anyone's seen that app where you take a photo of someone and then I don't know what it does. It just does this most distorted looking face. Bailey's sending me these photos that he took of me. And I'm thinking, who's this zombie? <laughs> anyway, I think Leah might have looked like that, like in the natural. <laughs> Uh, so, so um, Jacob gets up and goes to Laban and he says, what have you done? Have you ever been in a situation in life where you've been promised Rachel, you might have shaken hands on the deal, you might have even signed a contract so you work your guts out to get Rachel. You dream at night about Rachel. You can't wait to get Rachel. And then at the end, when you've done everything that you were supposed to do and you've fulfilled your part of the bargain, you wake up and you're next to Leah. Someone has deceived you. You thought you were getting Rachel, but you ended up with Leah. Has anyone ever, I won't ask for a show of hands, you don't have to be living long in life to know that there's times, it doesn't matter how cautious you are, it doesn't matter how uh, thoughtful you are, it doesn't matter how much you plan, there's going to be times where you think you're getting Rachel and you're going to get Leah because man cannot always be trusted. Here's a guy that he trusted. This is his father-in-law and he's, he's done a shifty on him. He thought he was getting Rachel and now he's got Leah. And he goes to him and he says, what have you done? You can imagine Jacob running, screaming out of his tent, saying, what have I done? <laughs> and then he goes, what have you done? And then Laban says in verse 26, I don't know if you've ever heard this. He says, oh, Jacob, didn't you read the fine print? Anyone ever heard that? Oh, the fine print. Right, the fine print. Laban replied, oh, didn't you know it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one? Oh, you didn't know that. Oh, what a shame. I'm sorry you didn't know that. I'm sorry you didn't read the fine print. I'm sorry you signed that contract not realizing what it actually meant, but da-da, welcome to your new world, Jacob. And then... I was reading these scriptures when I was studying this and I was thinking, man, this is such a, 
such a poignant scripture. Just, uh, it's full of so much pathos. You could easily read over it and not even notice. But then verse 28, and it says this. Um, 29. Jacob, uh, and Laban says to him, Oh, well, okay. I'm sorry I didn't realize that. Uh, it's not our custom here to give it. He says this. Complete this week of celebrations and weddings. Uh, and we will give you the other one also. So he goes, no problem. Here's Leah. Do your celebration. Do the week, the festivities and everything. And then I'll give you Rachel. Oh, great. Okay, so I'm going to get two for one. For another seven years of labor. Ouch. Another seven years to get what he wanted. And then you read in verse 28, and it says this. And Jacob did so. What could he do? He was, he was tricked. He was trapped. What he really wanted, he didn't have. And if he wanted to get what he really wanted, he would have to do what was being asked. And it says, so he did it. Anyone ever felt that? The way things worked out and what was told is not really what it was. And then you, you stepped out or you signed or you did something. And it's like, oh, if you really want that now, it's actually going to cost you this. Oh, you thought it was going to cost 100 grand. It's actually 500,000 to get what you want. But now you're trapped. Now you're stuck. Now you've, take, you've gone too far forward to go back, but you're way out of where you want to be. <clears throat> so he says, so he does it. <clears throat> he does it. He serves another seven years. To get out. And then anyway, you read through the story. It's funny how, you know, just a few verses can take a whole lot of time. You don't realize everything that's gone on in those times. But he wants to get out. <clears throat> After he served the seven years, he said, I've had enough of this. I'm getting out of this place. I've served. I've got Rachel. Yeah, I've got Leah as well. I've got all these kids now. And I've served my time. I've done what I said I was going to do. And I'm getting out. <clears throat> Genesis 30, 25. So he goes, oh, I'm out of here, I'm gone, I'm, I'm leaving. He's got nothing still. He's got his wife and he's got his kids, but he still owns nothing. Laban owns everything. He's worked for him for 14 years for nothing, for, the, for his two wives. Laban's given him nothing, he owns nothing. He's now 97 years from 84 no, 84, 70, 70 years on from 84. How old is he? He's 91. He's got nothing. He goes, I've got to get out of here. I'm going back home. I'm going back home to dad. <laughs> I'm going, I'm go, I've got to go back home. I've got, to, I've got to sort this out. And then Laban says to him, he says, but Laban says to him, if I've found favor in your eyes, are you kidding what a snake oil salesman. Oh, if we're, if we're so close, we get on so well. This is such a good relationship for us. Please stay. For I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me. You don't need divination. Look at how much more money he's got. He's looking at his bank account. Man, this guy is good. He's getting nothing and I'm getting everything. I... I Laban is not letting Jacob go. 
He's got him by the proverbials. Because he's stuck. He's got nothing. Where, where can he go? And he goes, look, if you, if you stay, name your wages and I'll give them to you. What do you want to stay? What can I give you to stay? And you would think after 14 years and being there with nothing that he would go, are you kidding? Why would I even go into a deal with you? But... What happens in life, and I don't know if you've ever been there, and if you haven't been, it could happen at some point where you are so desperate to get ahead, where circumstances are just so bad, he's 91, he's got nothing, and here's another opportunity, and you forget what happened. Because desperation and greed both blind us to the reality of a situation. Desperate to believe that, yes, they'll be honest this time. Yes, they'll do what they said this time. Yes, this time it'll work out in this situation. Or greed, where we think, oh, I can't wait. Of course, this will work. Desperation and greed both blind us to the reality of a circumstance. And here's Jacob, after 14 years, Laban's not going to let him go. This is Hotel California. You can... Come in any time you like, but you can never leave. Anyone know that song? <laughs> Welcome to the Hotel California. Wow, <laughs> oh, what a great song. <laughs> what do you mean it was? Three <laughs> just heard me sing it. <laughs> um, so Laban's saying, don't go. Do I have an opportunity for you? Do I have an opportunity for you? Whenever someone says to you, do I have an opportunity for you and you're desperate, don't take it. Or if you're greedy, that's how you get sucked in. It's greedy people that get sucked in by deceivers because the greed blinds them to the reality of the circumstance or your desperation will. So Laban says, hey, don't go. I've got an opportunity for you. Name your price. Whatever you want, it's yours. <clears throat> I mean, this seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Whatever you want. Whatever you want, I'll give it to you. What do they say? When something seems too good to be true, it usually is. And in this case, it was. So, Jacob says this. Now, we're going to talk through these scriptures, and I don't know because it doesn't say whether he'd already had insight into the plan or whether he got it later. I suspect he actually got it later, but anyway, people disagree or, or, or not sure about this. But it says, Jacob says to him, don't give me anything, but if you will do this one thing for me, I'll go on tending your flocks and watching over them. I don't want any of your stuff. I don't want to owe you anything. You know when people offer you stuff, but you always know there's strings attached. And he's going, I don't want any strings attached. I don't want to owe you anything. So at some point down the track, you can go, hey, Jacob, remember that stuff I gave you? And in those days, family connections and all that, like there was, there's a whole lot of stuff going on there that we don't quite understand. But, you know, when a, a, an elder 
tells you to do something or you owe them, you've got to do it. And so he's like, don't give me anything. I don't want anything of yours. But if you want to give me an opportunity, do this. I'll go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove them and remove from them every speckled and spotted sheep. Every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat, they will be my wages. So I don't know much about animal husbandry, but <laughs> what he's saying is all the white sheep, the pure white sheep, they're yours. Anything that's got a, a, a spot on it or it's speckled or it's dark colored or any other sheep, if you can let me keep them, then you're going to know what belongs to me and what belongs to you. Right? So it's clear. I haven't taken anything of yours. You can't go, oh, hold on, that was mine. So it's like it's clear. If you just say, oh, I can have all the ones and, and all their offspring that are speckled and spotted and colored and disfigured and anything that's white that can belong to you is that fair and Laban goes absolutely all I want is your best interest I'm just here for you to help you get ahead yeah right they will be my they'll be my wages and Jacob says and my honesty will testify my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages you have paid me, any goat in my possession or any lamb that is not speckled or spotted, any lamb that is not dark colored will be considered stolen. All right, is that fair? Laban, all the white ones, which is normally, apparently, like most of the flock. You don't see too many spotted, speckled lambs. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know a lot about a husbandry, but that's the way they divided them up. And I've been told, as I did some research, that a pure white lamb or goat will not give birth to a spotted and speckled lamb or goat. Right? So, so a white goat's not going to give birth to a spotted or speckled goat, but a, and vice versa. I think that's, I think that's the way it is. Um, if you know any different, don't say anything, because it ruins my point. <laughs> um, am I, and so, okay, does this seem like a fair deal? A fair, a fair, he's going, look, I, you've ripped me off. You've deceived me. I've been here 14 years. I've got nothing. But if you want to give me an opportunity, and I don't want anything of yours, but give me this spotted and speckled, which is just a small part of the flock, all the rest of them will be yours. I'll continue to look after your, your flock as well as mine till I get enough that I can move on. And Laban goes, of course, no problem. Let it be as you've said. Verse 35, that same day, that same day Laban went to his sheep and he removed all the male goats that were spotted and speckled and all the speckled and spotted female goats and all the dark colored lambs. And he took them out of his flocks and he gave them to his sons who then took them three days journey away. So when Jacob comes in in the morning to say, okay, I'm going to look after all the flocks, the only sheep that are there are white. They're all white. They're all white. Where's the spotted speckle? Where's my share? Where are the ones that you promised me? Oh. 
I don't know. But you said you'd look after my sheep. And any spotted and speckled ones, they're yours, Jacob. <laughs> they're yours. And he's thinking these sheep are not going to give birth to spotted and speckled sheep. Therefore, I'm going to keep working for him forever. I am stuck. I can't get out. I'm never going to own a sheep. Laban has shafted him again. He's making him work for him with no prospect of getting paid, no prospect of a bonus, no prospect. He promised him. He promised him. Anyone ever promised you something? He promised him if he gives his all, he'll get equity in the business. If you work hard, if you sacrifice, if you do everything, then when the business gets bigger, I'll give you equity. Knowing that there's no chance you're ever going to get equity in the business. Or promised a windfall of shares when the company floats. Work your guts out. Sell your soul to the company. But when it floats, we'll give you shares. You'll make a mozza. You'll be set for life. Knowing you're never going to get any shares. You weren't ever going to get shares. They're just telling you you're going to get shares. I'm not saying this is the case in every situation. But this happens. These are real situations that happen in people's lives. And there are people out there who will take everything you have. They will lie, they will cheat, they will steal and they will defraud. And they will not feel one ounce of guilt. Will not lose one night of sleep. And they love it. They think it's hilarious that you would believe what they said. And this may have happened to you. It may not have ever happened to you. I remember uh, not long after Nick and I had been married, um, we got offered an opportunity by someone we trusted to make a lot of money. And we invested money in that situation only to never, ever see a cent of it. $20,000. It's a horrible feeling. Even in Malaysia recently, when we were there late last year, and this is just a, another small situation, but we're sitting in a shopping centre. Anyone been to Malaysia? Yeah. <laughs> Put your hand up if you've been to Malaysia. A few people. You may have had this experience as well. We're in a big shopping centre, sitting down there, and a, a girl comes along, young girl, and she hands a sign. She's got a, like an official certificate thing here or something in her pocket, and she holds a sign that says, uh, I am deaf, um, and uh, I'm working for an organisation uh, that raises money for deaf people. Uh, will you give some money? And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at her, I'm going, are you deaf? <laughs> she didn't go, No. Or, yes, she's just like looking at me and going, anyway, I said to Nick, I don't know, should we give her money? I don't even know if she's deaf or not. And we go, anyway, it wasn't, we had some coins there or something. It wasn't a lot of money. I said, okay, here you go, off you go. So she took the money and she went off. And then I went, there was a bunch of shops there to the side. Uh, we were sitting in a shopping center and there was some stores there. And there was a guy standing out the front. Anyway, I thought, oh, I've got to know. So we'll go over to the guy and I go, uh, he was watching the situation. I said, that girl just came to us who said she's deaf. Is she, is she actually deaf? Are these people actually deaf? And he goes, no. 
they're not deaf. They're just taking people's money. I'm like, even though I wasn't sure and it was only a little bit of money, I hate that! <laughs> that feeling of being duped, that feeling of being lied to, that feeling of someone taking something against your will because they said something that wasn't true. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? Pray for me. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Here's the great thing about God. Here's the great thing about the Scriptures. Here's the grace of Jesus Christ for every person that puts their faith in Him. The world is a broken world. It's a fallen world. Stuff is going to happen in life. But you can be assured when you put your trust in Jesus Christ that he works all things together for good and that God's destiny and purpose for your life is not dependent upon man's character. That God's destiny is, always trumps man's duplicity. That God's purpose cannot be thwarted or stopped by any of the machinations of man or the deceitfulness of his ways. When we put our trust in Jesus and we follow his guidance, and we put him first, his destiny for us always trumps man's duplicity toward us. We always win in the end in Jesus' name. That's worth a clap here this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Psalm 18 verse 6 says this, The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? See, God gives Jacob a strategy. God gives Jacob a strategy in the midst of his circumstances, in the midst of Laban's duplicity and deceitfulness and defrauding, in the midst of Jacob feeling like I'm stuck and I can't get out and I've made this mistake and I don't know what to do and now I'm caught in the middle of it. God gives Jacob a strategy. There is always... A way out in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out. When you're tempted to give in. When you're tempted to let go. When you're tempted to stop trying. When you're tempted to stop believing, to stop fighting. When you're tempted to think that, <clears throat> that things cannot ever possibly work out. The Bible says he will always, he will always give you a way out. He will always work things out for your good. It may take some time, as it did with Jacob, but Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. I'm the way out. I'm the way through. I'm the way into your purpose and your destiny and everything that I have in store for you. And no matter what man does and no matter what man says and no matter how they work against you and what the devil does, I will bring about my purpose for your life because your purpose and your destiny is in my hands, not in man's. Then Genesis 31, 3, and I'll finish up. Jacob heard that, um, so anyway, he gives him a strategy and I won't go into all the details, but he basically gets some trees. He creates a vision for the, sh for the, sh the, the, the white lambs and he begins to put this vision before them to be spotted and speckled and anyway, it starts to change. It starts to transform and their white sheep miraculously start to give birth to spotted and speckled sheep. And over time, Jacob does all these 
things to weed out in the week and get the strong. And then at the end of all that, in Genesis 31, verse 1 to 3, it says, Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. Isn't that amazing? Jacob, his destiny. And if you know the story of Jacob, you know God had called him to serve him and to be a patriarch and to carry on a lineage for him. And he didn't always do the right thing and he didn't always follow God wholeheartedly, but he had a purpose in his life and a destiny that God had called him to. And God had spoken into his world. And in the midst of all these things that looked like it wasn't going to work out and he'd been ripped off here and defrauded there and he'd worked and lost everything that he had, you may be in a situation like that. We've had stuff taken. I want to tell you here this morning, God knows, God restores. And He works all things together for your good in Jesus Christ. That's the promise of the Scriptures. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen next week. That's what I'm saying. That scripture at the start. Sometimes you need some endurance. Life is not a sprint. Life is a marathon. And every step you take, as you keep believing God, as you keep putting your faith in Him, and I'm not saying you should never trust anybody because that's ridiculous as well. The paradox is learning from the experiences continuing to trust God, continuing to be wise, not make the same mistakes, but still saying soft towards people. Because what happens if your heart gets hard, then you let nobody in. And you isolate yourself from everybody, and then nothing happens for you. And so you may be here today, and this message may be resonating with you. It may be reminding you of some things that have happened. I want to encourage you and maybe you have done it before and look it's a process but being able to just forgive if someone has taken someone something from you ripped you off defrauded you hurt you in some way set you back maybe took your career maybe took your business maybe took your share of a business God knows God answers God is working on your behalf and He will restore everything that has been taken and He will bless you. He will bring back what the locusts have stolen and He will fulfill His purpose and His destiny for your life because God's destiny, His purpose for you always trumps man's duplicity. Your blessing is not dependent on a person or the character of anyone working for or involved with it's dependent upon God now you've got to make wise decisions and that's important you've got to get counsel that's a whole other message that's a whole other area but I also know there's times where it doesn't matter what you do you just don't see it coming but God knows and the Bible is replete with stories people just like Jacob just like Joseph just like David and Saul over and over again when people work against 
your life and your calling, what God has for you, God always works it out. It sometimes takes some time, but He always comes through in the end. Let's close our eyes here this morning. Father, I thank You for Your Word. Oh God, I thank You that Your Word is true. And that these things are written here in these Scriptures, these stories. As Your Word says, to teach us that through endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide. There's encouragement in this story. God knows. God restores. God redeems through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. stand here this morning. First, I'm just going to ask, look, if you're here today and maybe you're away from God at the moment, maybe you're just not right with the Lord. Maybe you've never asked Him into your life or put your trust in Him or maybe you did at some point, but you're away from Him right now and you know it. And for whatever reason, for whatever happened, right now you're away from God. I would love to lead you in a prayer that brings you back into a relationship with Him where you can put your trust back in Jesus Christ. Trust for your future. Trust for your life. Trust for your dreams and your desires and your future. To trust God with that. If you're here today, you've never prayed that prayer that asked Jesus Christ into your life and put your life in His hands or you're away from God here this morning. And you know you need to get your relationship right. If that's you here today, I want you to put up your hand so I can see it. I'm going to pray with you. Let's put it up high. We're going to pray. Anyone at all, just say, yeah, that's me. I want you to pray for me, Lord. I'm away from God. And I want to come back. Just put it up high so I can see it. We're going to pray. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and maybe you've been through some circumstances or maybe that story was particularly pertinent for you because of something you've gone through or you've faced or or a situation. And look, if you've dealt with it and, and you're over it, which I obviously have, I mean, that was a long time ago and God's more than blessed us. And as I've said to Nick in the, in the past, $20,000 to learn a lesson like that is cheap. It's cheap. We've made so many good decisions based out of that bad decision that God has completely blessed us so many ways financially that I'm glad that it happened in one way. Um, So God's a redeemer. He's a restorer. We learn from those lessons and He brings back. But So if you've dealt with it and it's okay, then that's all good and that's all fine. But if you're here today and maybe something's happened and I don't know, it could be a personal thing, could be a business thing, could be anything. I'm not going to ask the details, but if there's even one person here today and that story resonated with you and you feel like, you know what, I want, I've got to give something to God or I just got to, I just want to let this thing go or I'm just going to, and maybe just a reminder, say, you know what, God, that's gone. It's okay. I let it go. I, I forgive and I'm trusting in you. If there's anybody here today, as I finish up this service, so I'm just going to stand down the front here and 
If there's no one, that's great and that's good. There's just awesome life principles and life lessons in this whole story. But if, if that really spoke to you and you think, you know what, I need to pray, I need to let something go, I need to move on from something, something's holding me back, that particular situation or that particular person, it's just, I, I need to deal with it. I'd love to pray with you here this morning. Ask Jesus Christ to set you free, <clears throat> to move on and to take a hold of what He's got for you because no one, no one and nothing can stop God's love pouring out into your life through Jesus Christ. God, let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Thank you, God. You are good and your mercy endures forever. Amen. Hey, have a great week, guys. Hope you can hang